You and I know that making smart financial decisions can be challenging, but it's the 21st century. Financial freedom is no longer just for the 1% wealthy. It's for you and me, busy moms and dads living their best life. The big question is this, how do we create time, avoid making painful mistakes, set examples for our children and find the best resources to help us reach our financial goals? This podcast will give you the answers. Join me on my journey helping busy families figure out how they can gain financial confidence and clarity, get actionable tips, and learn from the best guest experts. It is now the time you start living your best financial life. My name is Anna Shogunina, and welcome to the Money Boss Parent Podcast. Welcome to the Money Boss Podcast, where we empower parents to make smart financial decisions and take control of their financial future. I'm your host, Anna Sergunina, and today we have a special guest joining us. Please give a warm welcome to Candy Messer, a profitability advisor with extensive experience in bookkeeping and helping entrepreneurs build successful companies. Candy understands the unique challenges faced by parents who are also entrepreneurs or have a side hustles. Her expertise in removing compliance burdens and identifying profitable issues has provided countless business owners with peace of mind and the freedom to focus on what they love. Candy is the co-author of Business Success with Ease and Navigating Entrepreneurship. She also is the host of highly acclaimed Biz Help For You podcast, available on YouTube and multiple podcast channels. Join our conversation. Candy, thank you for joining us today on the Money Boss podcast. It is a pleasure to have you. Well, thank you for the invitation. I'm excited to be here and talking with you today. I am too. So as an advisor to your clients, you have a really deep understanding of their financial challenges that they're facing in their businesses and as entrepreneurs and possibly side hustlers, because that's the trend these days, right? right? But I wanted today explore some of the you know ideas and advice you have for parents, right? Because this is the community that we tailor here too. And how do how how can our you know parent listeners juggle this idea of being an entrepreneur? starting a business, um, you know, being in it and also, right, juggling responsibilities as a parent. You and I just chatted briefly behind the scenes, your grandma, three young ones. So Mm -hmm. (laughs) secondhand or firsthand, you know, so I want to kind of connect all of those dots. So if that's okay with you, let's dive in. Sure. I mean, first of all, I would just say I totally get the overwhelm, right? I've been there. I've been an entrepreneur now for 20 plus years. And so my kids were little when I started on this journey. So I remember how hard it was, like all the hours that you put in. And sometimes you feel like you're not even making a lot of money with all the efforts that you're putting in. And it takes a while, you know, Mm -hmm. to get to where you're actually generating revenue. Um, So my first thing that I tell people too, is if you're thinking of starting a business or you are already working, but you still have that job on the side, it's not a bad thing to keep that for now, right? Because Mm -hmm. if you can have that guaranteed income and then you could be expanding your business on the side at first, it will allow you to find those ideal customers, 
So what happens a lot of times when people start a business, they think, I just want to quit my job and I'm going to focus on this and I'm going to make this much money. And they, they have this dream, which is fabulous, but sometimes they overestimate how much they're going to make, or they don't realize all the expenses that are going to go into it. And so the profit just isn't there. And then now they're panicking and having to find customers wherever. So if you can actually have that cushion at first and then build your business, get the word out there and work with the customers you really want to work with. I think you'll be happier in the long run. Right. I think that's point number one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree with that too, because a lot of times as I work with them on creating their personal financial plan, right. It comes up a lot because like, what do you have to, you know, meet, like, what are your obligations on, mm-hmm. on a monthly basis? Like, what do you have to put in a bank so that you can feed your family and still continue, right. Funding your goals. Cause like one of sort of uh, conflicting questions comes up a lot too. Like where do you invest the most of your energy, time, and money when you're building mm-hmm. a business, right? Or are you like investing to save for your goals? So like, right. like how do you, do you have suggestions like where to focus mm-hmm. your attention on all of this? Well, you may tell people the same thing, but I think you can't put off your own future planning as well. And so, so many of us do, right? I mean, I was guilty of this too, where, you know, I don't have enough money right now to put away for my future in a 401k or, you know, whatever, Roth IRA, whatever it is. For many years, I didn't do that, right? And that was stupid, to be honest, right? Because I lost time, right? The whole thing about having investments is you have the compounding and all of that too. But I was young when I had children and young when I started my business. And so at first we thought, well, you know, we have time, right? We're very young. We have plenty of time, but honestly, that probably wasn't the wisest decision, Uh, but we did, you know, what we did. So I would just say still don't completely forget about your future and planning for your retirement. Um, And then yes, kids college is important, but not everyone is necessarily going to go to college too. So don't necessarily sacrifice your future because Mm -hmm. of what you think your kids are going to need, right? There's options. And yes, it's, it could potentially be a little bit painful when college comes around, if you don't have enough, but there are grants, there's potential scholarships, there's, you know, other things you can do too. So I think that would be one thing that I would say is really talk to a financial advisor who can guide you on what you should be putting away. They might be able to help you. Like you said, you probably can sit down with them or you have probably Mm -hmm. a guideline that you could share with them that says at least put away you know, 5% or something, you know, it doesn't have to be a lot, but put away something. Um, So I think that's one thing that I would recommend as well. Yeah. I remember, I don't know where I got this, um, this phrase, but I've had it in my repertoire for a long time as, you know, as I can remember being a financial planner, but it's something like you can't finance your retirement, but if you have to finance your, uh, you know, kids college education, you can always do that. So it's like with this Mm -hmm. idea is like, yes, it's great to be an entrepreneur. It's great to start a business and, and, and do all of these things. Um, but you still have to think about like, what's the long term? Um, and guilty of that too, and yours were highlighting that as well, because the idea of starting a business or creating a different life for yourself, you hope that whatever it is that you're doing is going to pay off, right? right? Five times, 10 times and whatever. So this like putting a pause on what you're said, compounding interest over time is a tricky one. So one of the things mm-hmm. you mentioned that I want to really get clarity on um, in in context of um, flow of money in the business, because I think it's a, it's a confusing, uh, 
concept to a lot of people. So in the business, you have revenue coming in, right? Or if you're selling products, if you're charging uh, for your services. And then at the end of the day, right, the focus should be on what your profit is, right? If it's right. a real true business, right? We can get on mm-hmm. this on this as well. So what's like, what's the difference? What, what is the difference mm-hmm. between revenue or cash flow in your business? And then like really what you get to take home, which is profit. Right. This can be very confusing for people, especially those who don't really like the concept of understanding numbers and math. And they're like, I just don't want to know. Right. Uh, but you still, you need to focus on that. So revenue is just the top line number. How much money have you brought in? And then you have to look at expenses. And this is where a lot of businesses fail because they don't properly plan for really what is it going to take for me to bring in the income? Usually it takes longer and you have less upfront than you think you're going to. Um, and then the amount of money it takes you to generate your business often is higher than you think. Right. And so sometimes you'll have a negative you know, but your expenses are greater than your revenue. So you have a negative value at the end, which is a net loss or, you know, a negative profit, right? The profit is basically what you have left over after you have your revenue, less your expenses. Mm -hmm. One of the confusing things that happens too is the difference between profit and cash flow. So people sometimes, if they're looking at financial reports, they see a profit and they're like, oh, great, you know, I've got money in the bank. But that may not be true because you can have liabilities that you have to pay down. There's other things. Maybe you actually bought equipment, which is a good thing, right? You're growing, you need to buy equipment, but oftentimes you have to depreciate that over time. So the money's out of the bank, but you know, you don't get to capture that expense immediately. Now, sometimes you can, depending on what you're purchasing, but another thing that confuses people too, is they're living off of the profit a lot of times, right? So, but the IRS is going to say, well, you had the profit, you may have spent it, but you (laughs) still owe tax on that. And so that could come as a surprise to people that don't realize I have to reserve some of this money that is showing as profit so that I could pay the tax man. Mm -hmm. And so that is sometimes where the confusion lies. And I actually had someone come to me one year and she said, I don't understand how the IRS can say that I owe them $10,000 because there's no money in the bank. And that's where I had to educate her. And she was referred to me by someone because she was in this financial situation. She got herself into some trouble because the IRS wanted her to pay a bill and she didn't have the money. And I had to explain to her the difference between cash flow and profit. You've lived off of this money. So yes, it's spent. You don't have it in the bank, but the IRS says you owed a portion of that because you know mm-hmm. your tax bracket, you had to have that. So I say it's important to reserve um, an amount of money, just like if you're working at a job and you have a paycheck, they take taxes out every time you have a paycheck, like put money aside every time, you know, you're going to maybe look at it once a month or twice a month, but look at how much do I think I'm going to owe and start putting that away in a different account. So you don't see it in your operating account and start building that up and make sure that you pay that tax. I very much agree because it's, it, it gets confusing, especially like when you're as a, if you're just starting your business, right. Or it's a thing that, like you just said, you still have your uh, full-time job and you're doing this on the side. All of a sudden you're like, Oh, wow, I have all this money in the, in the bank account, but you haven't yet worked out a system where you actually pay yourself. Right. Like, right. You know, if you're working in a business, like what's your paycheck? So mm-hmm. um, that, <laughs> that could be a trouble 
um, on its own too. So working it into, into um, your overall expense. I had to learn that. I struggled with this concept too. Um, I, you know, I've been a financial planner for 20 years, but I've owned my business for the last 10. And so, you know, like I should understand all these concepts and the nuances of how this works. But I'm like, I was looking at, the, you know, profit and loss statements and balance sheets. I'm like, all right, but the money's same thing, but the money's not in the mm-hmm. bank. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so um, it, it took a while to kind of wrap my head around this idea of like, okay, the numbers are on, you know, what they are and you, you know, you kind of have to right. find a medium. So um, I've learned fair, fair, quickly enough that I should have at least as a business owner, a salary, right? So that then mm-hmm. when I'm looking at my end of the year numbers, right? And you're usually not at end of the year, that kind of like in in the spring because we're doing taxes. I'm like, well, where's right. my paycheck? So mm-hmm. I, at least that's my, um, you know, own experience of like, okay, you got to get yourself paid. Um, and initially right. when you're just like trying, trying to ramp up, it may not be like the forefront um, of what you're looking at. Right. Well, um, a lot of times people are thinking of, I just have to cover these expenses, right? As long as I make yeah. enough to cover, you know, the rent, the utilities, the, you know, the marketing, that whatever. And they don't think about, I need to budget in not just salary, but again, taxes and, and other things like that too. So mm-hmm. it's really important to look at that. And, and again, it's important to look at the profit. That's more important to look at than revenue, in my opinion, because yeah, you could be increasing your revenue, but the cost of generating that revenue could be increasing significantly as well, too. And so sometimes you might be more profitable when you're actually bringing in less revenue. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I agree with that, too, especially when you start hiring people. Team uh, <laughs> growth, that's a whole other level. So you mentioned taxes a little bit. Um are there any suggestions or ideas you have like for folks to, because that's another complicated level of, you know, understanding like how the taxes would work out, you know, what, how do you structure your business, right? From mm-hmm. sole, sole, sole proprietorship to S Corp and all of that stuff. So like, are there any ideas or like quick suggestions you have for someone to kind of just kind of have it in, in the back of their head? And of course they should talk to a professional that's hands down, but, mm-hmm. <laughs> but for the conversation right. today. Well, like you said, you should talk to your CPA or tax planner too, because more than just your business affects the tax that you owe, right? Especially if you're a sole proprietor, or if you're like an S corp or an LLC, the income that you generate from your business flows into your personal. And then Mm -hmm. on your personal income tax return, everything gets calculated. So there's going to be things that maybe make your tax higher, or there could be deductions you could take. So it's really important for your CPA to sit with you and look at everything that's happening. But in terms of your business, again, there's estimated tax payments that you're supposed to be making that often people don't realize, because again, they're not thinking I'm supposed to be paying in throughout the year. Uh, Again, if you had a paycheck, it'd be taken out every time you were paid. You're supposed to make four times a year estimated tax payments. And so that's April. June, September, and January. And I tell people, you can't just say it's every quarter because it's weird. It's not like every three months. It goes, again, the first time from January to April, you have three months, but then April to June, you have two months. Then you go from June to September, three months, and then September to January, four. So it's kind of weird the way they have the schedule, but you are supposed to be paying in kind of that portion of your tax that is due. And once again, your CPA can look at what did you owe last year? Well, we have to pay in at least, you know, that much and split it up by the four quarters. 
Um, but I always recommend sitting down with your CPA at least once a year, but twice a year is even better. So like around this time of year now is great uh, to be talking with them. And then close to the end of the year so that you can make any adjustments necessary that could potentially affect the tax that you're going to owe. So at the very end of the year too, if it looks like you're very profitable, you're going to have a lot of tax. If there's something you're thinking about purchasing, maybe you need a piece of equipment or, you know, maybe there's a software that you want to invest in and it's a few thousand dollars and you're like, well, it's a little bit expensive. Well, maybe you do want to invest before the end of the year to reduce what you're going to have in taxes. On the other hand, maybe it wasn't the greatest year and you might want to put off some things so that you have less expense, mm -hmm. a little bit more profit and, you know, kind of go from there and then put off into the future again to kind of reserve cash. So it's important to really look at it all as a whole and figure out what do I need to do? Mm -hmm. Becoming a new parent is extraordinary, life-changing event that brings a mix of emotions from joy to worry, excitement and fear. Suddenly, you're not only responsible for yourself, but also for another little person who depends on you for everything. And it's okay to feel overwhelmed. But remember, you've got this. Did you know that raising a child from birth to age 18 can cost over $234,000 on average? And that does not even include things like daycare, private school, or college savings for the future. Planning for these expenses is crucial, and that's where the Money Parent Checklist comes in. I've created this resource for new parents like you to get you started. It will help you adapt and prepare for the, your new financial reality. It's a comprehensive guide that covers everything from setting up a budget for your new family, planning baby expenses, securing your child's future, and even preparing for those exciting college years ahead. Yes, I've got you covered from A to Z so you can focus on cherishing those precious moments with your little one. But don't let money worries get in the way of creating unforgettable memories. Visit parentmoneychecklist.com today and grab your free copy. How how do you recommend when you're like doing this kind of assessment? Because I've I've always recommended to clients who have businesses, right, is to apply the same structure as you would apply personally. Like you have your checking account to pay your you know, main bills, right? And then mm -hmm. you should have an emergency fund. So like same mm -hmm. thing, right? As you're starting to grow your business or it, as you doing it, right? Not like once you get some money, like set aside some funds because unexpected, you know, things sure. happen. So, how do you save for those? Like, or maybe perhaps you have an opportunity to invest in your business by mm -hmm. whatever hiring, you know, doing more marketing and stuff like that. So, how right. how do you accumulate um, these additional funds for future expenses? But for me, what I do, I actually have a few accounts that I have, and so I look twice a month. Okay, mm -hmm. what do I have right now that has come in? And I'm going to allocate a percentage to tax that goes into one account that's there so I can make those estimated tax payments. One for future expenses. So there are things that I pay once a year to like some of my software I purchase once a year or insurance. I don't like to pay all those little fees. Like every time you make a little statement, they're going to charge you $2 or $5 or $7 or $10, right? <laughs> for me, I'm like, uh-uh, those fees, I'm not willing to pay that, right? I'll just pay up front the whole thing. And so basically twice a month, I am putting away what I know, like basically 
I'd look at what am I going to pay over the course of one year? And mm -hmm. I divide that by 24. And that's how much that I put away mm -hmm. as a minimum for that future expense. Now, if I know that I want to be hiring someone soon and I want to make sure that I'm reserving money for that too, I might put more in there. Um, but that's one of the things, have a future expenses. And then I have a tax account and then I have a general operating account. And there's a few more that sometimes you might want to have for different reasons. And we don't have to go into all of those right now, but basically the point is having multiple accounts. So your operating only has what you really want to have in there for operations and you can save for other things. And of mm -hmm. course, saving for your future in some kind of account it doesn't have to be a basic bank account because those make nothing right as we know so have an investment account where you can be putting money in in for your future again and building up some value but at least generally speaking for businesses those are what i recommend how like someone listening right now they're like okay well i got all this stuff going and you know my my business is up and running and so how do you like at what point on this journey do you determine that like you got to sit down and talk to a professional um, I mm -hmm. knew early enough, um, even though I'm a financial, uh, financial planner, I do not like accounting <laughs> as much as I like right. financial planning. So I knew going in that that was not the thing for me. It just does not sit well. So like, I, I was like, this is not one of the expenses I had to build in, right. right. In, in doing this. So like, do you have some guidelines for someone to think about this? Right. So one of the things I do say is some of these things, look at it as an investment for your business and not an expense, right? Because yes, you're going to pay money for certain things. I say, go to a trusted CPA, not just H&R Block or something too, right? Mm -hmm. And that's because you can build a long-term relationship. They're going to understand your personal and your business and H&R Block or those other types of companies. There's a lot of turnover. They can't represent you if you're audited in most cases. I mean, it would have to be someone higher up, but just the general tax preparation person can't, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that's an investment that I say you really should be making. When it comes to like legal fees, if you need to have contracts created or things like that, pay an attorney. Don't just get a template because it may not apply in your state, right? So it's things like that, like look at, is it worth doing? And in most cases, yes. So when it comes to someone like my industry for bookkeeping, if you are putting it off because you hate it, right? <laughs> I don't love the numbers or I'll get to it someday and you're not getting to it, it's going to become more and more burdensome for you. And then when the CPA is reaching out and needs information to do your taxes, you're going to be overwhelmed and frustrated. Like someone in that situation really needs to put into the budget, like you said, a professional. If mm -hmm. you still love the numbers and it's not totally taking away the time you have for what you should be doing in your business, then you could still do it on your own if you want to. Uh, but a lot of times, if you look at how much time are you spending doing it and what would you get if you invested that time in networking, in sales calls, in, you know, whatever that is to drive your business forward, it still might be in your best interest to find a professional to do it for you so that you could focus on the parts of your business that are really going to drive revenue. Mm -hmm. I like, I like the, inv the investing angle a lot for sure. Cause that's mm -hmm. like reframing some of this, Oh, this is more money. I need to spend on doing this, this and that. No, it's not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's an investment. So one thing too, I'm speaking a lot from mistakes I've made, but um, this is how you learn, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, 
I didn't focus early enough in my business on building a credit. Um, mm. You know, I mean, it's a common thing. Everybody knows about this, right? Like as a, as a, as an individual, you should focus on building a good credit history and, you know, making sure you check your credit score consistently. Now it's different for the business. And so mm. it took me a while. I didn't like, I didn't need to have a credit um, you know, for the business, I, you know, a few years into the ownership, I got a credit card, right. Mm -hmm. But it's still like attached to my name. I'm still the one right. signing on it. So let's talk a little bit about like, what, what suggestions do you have for somebody early on to get that piece right? Because it will come handy one day. Right. Well, the first thing is you really should separate business and personal even if you're a sole proprietor. And a lot of times people think, well, it's just easier. I just have the one account and I could just run everything through the checking and I'll separate it later. It's not going to be easier, right? Once again, you're going to be overwhelmed and then you have to go through your bank and look at your statement and say, well, this was business and this is personal and explain it to your tax repair or you doing the bookkeeping. It's just not ideal. It's also potentially an audit, you know, mm -hmm. red flag, right? So and if you are an entity, so if you're a S corporation or a C corporation or an LLC or any of those entities, technically you are supposed to have it separated. And the purpose of having an entity is for protection, right? You have liability protection. If you are combining your business and personal, you lose that protection. So mm -hmm. it's really important. And I just say, even if you're a sole proprietor, separate your business and personal. That being said, you know, you will still have potentially you might still have to apply for a credit card personally, right, in your name because you don't have anything that's representative of your business, but you still have a separate credit card that's only for your business. And then you have a personal card. Um, some people want to combine it because they're getting miles or cash back or all of that. And I just say, well, then just pick another card that you get cash back or something on too, right? Um, <laughs> And I always say to someone, really, one of the benefits is if you have a credit card and you pay it in full, right? So you don't have interest and get a card that doesn't have an annual fee, but a lot of them will give you cash back. And then you can apply that to your statement and it reduces what you owe. And so they're basically paying you for using their card. Mm -hmm. And that's a wise, in my opinion, that's a wise way to use credit cards. Now, mm -hmm. if you are spending more than you can pay, then that's not great because credit card is not a good type of debt, you know, to have, you're paying more in interest than you need to. So I generally say, if you can't afford it, try not to purchase it, right? Until you can, again, saving, mm -hmm. you know, save cash or something until you have to make that purchase. Now, sometimes you can't, right? If your car breaks down, you need to have a car and it has to get repaired. Sometimes you have to do that. but if you can use your credit wisely, right, then you're going to be building up your credit score. You're, you know, in the future, if you ever need a loan and you have a higher credit number, obviously that's better for you. You'll have a less interest rate. Um, so it's really important to manage what you're using and understanding it may be better to have two credit cards even and splitting your expenses than to have one where you're, you know, getting it close to the maximum limit because that drives your credit score down versus having two and having a lower credit usage, right? So they look at what is the total credit limit you have and how much are you using? And mm -hmm. ideally it's under 30% and less, mm -hmm. hopefully. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's like like this distinction is really critical. I don't know, at least in my head, it's like it's mm-hmm. it, it makes your life so much easier when you have mm-hmm. the separation. So right. <laughs> just just to start with that. Um mm-hmm. one thing that I think is worth mentioning since we have our parent audience here, like how do you get your kids involved? Like I'm always looking, <laughs> I haven't done anything with my four, almost four and a half year old in terms of like, you know, a formal business employee, but I hear, right. I see a lot of, you know, social media posts and things like that. And I know there are strategies to start thinking about. So any right. thoughts on this? Well, there's two aspects to that. I actually had my kids helping when they were little. Um, and as a sole proprietor, or if you're a partnership where the spouse or, you know, the other partner or whatever, they're, you're the biological parents of the children, you can actually pay them a wage. It has to be reasonable for the job they're doing. Right. So a a four-year-old can't make $20,000 a year or something. Right. You know, but (laughs) let's say you help them like sweeping the floor and you pay them a dollar a week, you know, because once a week they come in and they sweep the floor $5 or 10, you know, something reasonable Mm -hmm. though. Um, But if you have them on payroll and you would actually set up payroll and you pay them, then you actually don't have to pay the social security or the Medicare or any of that tax. And then you have the expense that reduces your profit, right? So it reduces Mm -hmm. what you owe in tax. So when my kids were little, they actually were helping. And that money I put into a savings type account where they weren't Mm -hmm. actually getting to spend the money. I might give them a little bit periodically, but both of them were able to buy cars when they wanted to have a car because they worked for it. And then they appreciated it too, because they actually put in effort. It wasn't just like, here you go, here's keys. And you know, they don't understand the value. So I think having them come and do something in your business, that is something they can do easily, but Mm -hmm. actually gives them a sense of accomplishment too. And they're, you know, very happy that they had something and you can give them some little bit of spending money too, but it also gives you the opportunity to teach them about saving for their future. Um, Mm -hmm. If you are an entity, you don't get the same tax benefits, but once again, you're teaching them things. You're actually able to hire a family member too. So instead of having to find someone outside of your company, which is not as easy as sometimes people think, um, there's those types of benefits too. Yeah. Okay. So there's, so, okay. seems like I just wanted to clarify. There's different, depending on how your business is structured from sole Mm -hmm. proprietorship to S corp, like for, for, I think for a lot of people, if they're sole proprietors, there's still a way they don't have a salary, right? Because that's not how their Mm -hmm. uh, business is structured, but they can still do the same thing um, in terms of giving their, their, their children opportunity to earn and teach them a valuable lesson. Yes. Okay. I like that. There's, I mean, there's a lot more advanced strategies that we're not going to get into <laughs> into today, but I, I just want to kind of see that as I'm honestly exploring that myself. So I'll have to figure, I'll have to come up with a job description. I mean, it's actually okay. has to be pretty legit, right? Like it can't mm-hmm. be just. Yes, it does have to be. You have to be able to prove, you know, why. And like I said, if it's, mm-hmm. if you didn't want to put them on payroll either, if they earn less than $600 in a year, then you don't have to issue a 1099. But if you put Mm -hmm. them as an independent contractor and you're tracking it and paying it once it's $600, even if they're five years old, now you have to report it. So that's why the payroll, if you're a sole proprietor, or again, if it's a partnership where the biological parents, you know, are both the ones who are running the company, you can actually pay them up to the standard deduction. And Mm. they don't owe any income tax at all. And you don't have to pay the social security and Medicare and things like that too. So 
there is a benefit to that. Um, but again, it's just even teaching kids what it's like to have to work to get something too, you know, because too many now, in my opinion, are just like, mom, you know, you're the ATM, right? You just hand them money and, and they don't necessarily understand what does it really take to make that money, right? And so I think it's great for them mm-hmm. to even just understand what it takes to go and do a task and then get rewarded for that task. Because that's as employees too, we go to work and we get a paycheck or as employers, you know, we're generating business in a company. We have to work to get that. So I think it's yeah. a good thing. I agree. No, very, much, very, very valuable lessons. I know before we hit recording, you mentioned to me that you have a free guide to help um, our listeners understand like all the financial lingo, because we've talked about mm-hmm. some of these <laughs> terms right. that get confusing. So I'd love for you to share um, with our audience what it is and how they can get their hands on it. Sure. So it is a guide to financial lingo, which basically gives all kinds of terms that are used in accounting. So you understand, you know, profit and operating expense. And I talk about the difference between cash flow and profit and what could affect it, you know, and even talking about, I didn't really mention too much today, but there's two different methods of accounting for your things on a cash basis or accrual basis. And that can make a big difference just on which method you're using. So it talks about all of those different things and we could actually have someone reach out. I forgot the exact uh, website. I should have given it to you ahead of time or brought it up, but um, I can send you the link. But I believe it's like my website, affordablebookkeepingandpayroll.com slash free dash report. But if you try to go there and it's not quite right, you could send me a message. We can give you the link yes. to click and, and download it. But it is a free guide. Um, I forget how many pages it is, but it's lots of terms to really just explain Uh, So you can understand what those financial terms mean and understand your financial reports. No problem. We can also, we'll include it in in the show notes so our our audience can get it. Yes. Well, I'd love for you to share how, um, I know you have your own podcast too. And then you also put out very um, neat educational videos on YouTube and I follow you on LinkedIn. So please uh, Mm -hmm. let us know how we can stay in touch. Sure. So like you mentioned, I have a podcast that's called Biz Help For You. And my goal is to educate entrepreneurs, help them be successful because too many start, don't really have all the resources they need and fail. And so my passion is really like give you what you need to really help you be successful in a vast array of fields, not just finance. Um, but I actually had an episode that just aired on neurodiversity and how to have that Mm -hmm. in the business, how you can help employees, you know, be successful. I've talked about legal things and marketing and all just all kinds of topics. Um, And then you can find that on YouTube and all the podcast channels. Uh, I'm like I said, I'm on LinkedIn, Candy Messer. Uh, My website is abandp.com. And I do record short little videos too to really just educate on small little topics again that you Mm -hmm. could just get a bite-sized piece, you know, a three-minute video or something, as well as some training videos. That's awesome. Yes. Thank you so much. I find them very useful and um, you know, just kind of learning and getting little tidbits. So very much appreciate um all of that. Well, any last minute thoughts before we close? The only thing that I wanted to say too, and I don't know if this applies to your audience too, but there is the employer retention tax credit. If you had a mandatory shutdown or partial shutdown or reduction of services uh, in income that meets the guidelines, um, then you could claim this credit. 
there's a lot of aggressive companies out there charging a large amount of money for assisting you. And I do have training videos also on my YouTube channel that show how to do it if you want to claim it on your own. Uh, but if you need help, we can help too. But that is available and it can put cash in your pocket if you do qualify. Yes. Can, can you just clarify one more time for those who are listening? Cause it might be confusing. So what it is, cause it's, I actually literally just threw away a letter that came in the mail uh, <laughs> on I, this exact topic. I'm like, I know this is not real because yeah, it just looks too good, but yeah. One more time. So employee retention credit. Sure. Is so yes, the employee retention tax credit. So if you maintain staff during the pandemic, mm-hmm. there's two, well, technically three different ways you could qualify, but most businesses qualify two different ways. One is if you compare one quarter of either 2020, second, third, or fourth, or 2021, first, second, third quarters, if your income meets the reduction requirements compared to the same quarter in 2019, then you can claim it based on that. If you were under a mandatory partial or full shutdown, then you can claim it based on the period that you were shut down. Um, There's a lot of details that go into it. I actually have a podcast episode specifically just on this topic, um, as well as some other training videos. So if anyone is curious, they can reach out to us, you know, at my website, call my office, email us. Mm -hmm. We definitely can communicate with you and see if you qualify. Yes, very much. No, you're right. There's a lot of uh, bad marketing around it because they can, these companies can charge you. And I'm not sure if they can deliver or not, but there's just, yeah, a lot of misunderstanding and confusion. And uh, is there a deadline for this to be done? Yes. Oh, yes. So 2020, if you qualified, you have to file no later than April of next year. Now, Mm. I would still say do it quicker than not, uh, you know, don't put it off because if you make a mistake and then you have to refile it, if you're past the deadline, now you're not going to qualify. And Mm -hmm. so do it now. Don't put it off uh, because the IRS is also months behind on processing. And so you want to make sure that you have it in plenty of time to get that credit. Understood. Okay, great. Well, definitely include, um, uh, you and I will connect afterwards to include some of these um, links in the show notes. Thank you so much, Candy. This is um, very uh, educational uh, for me, and I hope the audience loved it. Um, We appreciate your time today. And thank you for the invitation. I had a great time. Disclaimer. The opinions expressed on this show are for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individuals. To determine which investments or solutions may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial advisor, or tax professional for more specific advice. Hey there, Money Boss Parent, giving you a virtual high five because you just wrapped up another awesome episode of the Money Boss Parent Podcast. If you're craving more insights, hop over to moneybossparentpodcast.com. You'll find there detailed show notes from today's episode and even some sweet deals from our guests and partners. And if you're eager to connect with other super cool moms and dads who are just like you, who are navigating the world of money and parenting, come join our exclusive Facebook community for Money Boss Parents. The link is waiting for you at moneybossparentpodcast.com.